Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Malachi 3 and verse number 6, it says this, For I am the Lord, all caps, Jehovah, the self-existent one. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Think about the mercy there. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, my commands, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? And that was kind of the whole attitude of the people of Israel over and over and over again. Uh, hey, what a, why do we need to come back? Uh, we haven't left you. And, but God is saying to them, no, you come to me, and uh, I will come back to you. Uh, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you, as James uh, tells us. So how does that help us out with the whole the whole? Um, part or section of the Bible, the minor prophets, all the prophets were constantly, constantly calling out to God's people, come back. There's judgment coming. You don't need to, you don't need to stay where you are. Come back to God. He will restore you. He will rescue you. He will rescue you from the judgment. And so all the time, that's what's going on throughout the minor prophets. And so as we, as we dealt with the minor prophets from Hosea, uh, up to Jonah, we're going to dive now into uh, the book of Nahum. So Nahum tonight, if you have your sheet in front of you, we're going to jump back into this graph or this chart tonight, and we're working through this. Each one of them, we're trying to tell uh, when they prophesied, uh, before, uh, during, or after the exile, the Babylonian exile. And would you give me the map for a moment, and let's uh, just remind ourselves where this um, exile was happening, the other map, if you would. Uh, and so we're over in Babylon, uh, Babylon and that's, that's a good distance out there. I mean, it's, 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 that's, that's more than a day's journey. Uh, it is way, way out there. And so they, uh, they're there in exile. Why? Because they had sinned against God. They'd been rebellious against God. And so we're determining in each one of the, the minor prophets uh, where they, they ministered. Did they minister uh, before, during, or after the exile? And then uh, we're also looking at where they ministered. If you give me the other map, uh, where was their message to? Uh, was it to the southern kingdom, Israel, to the ten tribes, or was it down to Judah, to the two tribes down there? Remember, it divided after, after uh, Solomon with his son Je uh, Rehoboam and then Jeroboam as they took the king uh, kingdom. So uh, that's what we're going to discover. So here at Nahum tonight, there's three chapters in the book of Nahum. Just three chapters, a short uh, short uh, uh, little um, message to these folks. And uh, it was uh, Nahum ministered ahead of the captivity, ahead of the, the exile. His, his job was to warn of judgment to come. And he ministered, um, wrote to Judah, but he, uh, he ministered to the, to the southern kingdom. And so uh, I want you to understand this, that, that his whole focus was on a message of judgment, not to these kingdoms. This is interesting. Um, it was a message about Nineveh. And so though he wrote it 
to, uh, to Judah, and though he, he wrote it on towards them, understand that his message was about Nineveh. Why? Because he wrote about 150 years after Jonah did, after Jonah went to Nineveh and uh, preached in the streets, and the whole city, uh, whole city of Nineveh uh, came back to the Lord or, or repented from their sin and came to the Lord. And so his, uh, his uh, message now was about the eventual judgment that was going to come back on Nineveh because they had turned back into their old ways. And so it's interesting that God would give this, this pronouncement to his, uh, to his people, this judgment towards Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and it was going to be a comfort for Judah. It was going to comfort the, southern, uh, the, the, the people of the southern kingdom. Why? Because God always will, will he will always stand on the side of truth. He will always judge sin. And even though there was a great revival that had happened in Nineveh, and they had turned to God, and they had, they had repented of their sin, uh, they had gone back into sin. And so now Nahum is, is writing to them. Nahum 1.7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. But with an overcoming flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. God will always set things right. And we have, to, we have to take courage in that. God is a God of truth, and he will always set things right. Shall, the ju- uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, absolutely he will, Genesis 18 and verse 25. And so his, his message was concerning Nineveh about 150 years after Jonah had ministered to them. Now, one of my favorite books in all the Bible is the book of Habakkuk. And you say, why? Because I was in college, and uh, they said, you have to pick one of the minor prophets to do a study on. Since that time, uh, Habakkuk has captured my attention, and uh, I, I never dreamed that there would be so much inside the book of Habakkuk, but it has captured my attention uh, for all, uh, all these years. And so it, again, has three chapters, and, uh, and it, Habakkuk ministered ahead of the exile. He wrote to Judah, uh, to the southern kingdom, and uh, what is... Uh, really interesting to me about Habakkuk is as he's writing, he is thinking ahead of all the judgment that's going to come upon God's people. Uh, and he's perplexed by this. Much of Habakkuk is, is a prayer. And it's not as much a message as it is a prayer, a conversation between God and one of his prophets. Which is interesting, because here's this prophet, this preacher, who comes to God and is talking about all the sin that he sees in, in his people, in his own people. And you know that it's interesting, some of the sin that he was noting was just the injustice that was going on between God's people. What's interesting to me about that is uh, it burdens our hearts. We understand that when we see injustices ha- happening within our nation, when we see injustices or wrongs happening between God's people, you know, when there's unforgiveness between God's people or there's just outright wrong happening between God's people and you see some of that going on, you're like, what is going on? Well, here's Habakkuk in the middle of this and he is praying to God, God, why are you allowing this to go on? Why are you allowing this injustice, this wrong, this deception to be going on among your people? And God says in answer to Habakkuk's first prayer, he says, listen, Habakkuk, I'm gonna bring judgment. I'm gonna bring judgment from the Chaldeans upon upon my people, and, and they're not going to get away with this. Well, immediately, in Habakkuk's mind, he goes, well, well hold on, Lord. Uh, the Chaldeans are more wicked than, than your people are. 
what the Chaldeans do is far worse than what your people are doing. And, uh, and so he's, he's perplexed about this. And so he, he brings this prayer back to, um, back to God. And, and God says, listen, Habakkuk, I'm going to work a work in your days that, you know, if it were told to you, you're not even going to believe it. But Habakkuk just kind of uh, settled down there and, and waited for the Lord to answer. And each time the Lord would a- uh, answer back. And, uh, and God had to assure his heart that, listen, I have this all in control. I'm going to judge my people with the Chaldeans, but don't worry, I will judge the Chaldeans for their sin as well. So no one's getting away with sin. That's the big, that's the big uh, um, thing that we need to grab a hold of. No one's getting away with sin. God will always bring justice. He will always deal with sin. And so after Habakkuk prays um, uh, that, that second time, um, he has heard back from the Lord that I'm going to bring judgment upon the Chaldeans as well. Uh, Habakkuk just uh, uh, expresses to the Lord, I'm going to wait, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to wait for you all to make this, you know, make this clear. I don't understand how you're going to do all this, but I'm going to wait upon my watch. I'm going to allow you to make it clear. And uh, what's interesting is you go into the third chapter of Habakkuk. Habakkuk begins, why don't you turn there? As you go into the third chapter of Habakkuk, he just begins to really exalt the Lord because uh, and, and through prayer, this third prayer begins to express to the Lord, Lord, I, I understand that judgment is coming. I understand some dark days are coming, but I trust you. I trust you. And uh, really that all comes out of Habakkuk's willingness to, to wait and uh, upon his watch, stay faithful in what God had called him to do, not get distracted, uh, but stay faithful in what God had called him to do and to continue on. And so he prays this great prayer Habakkuk chapter 3, and uh, it's right after the book of Nahum, and so if that helps you any. Uh, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. You know what's amazing? Here's this prophet who's just, he was all troubled. You go to the Lord troubles, right? You go to the Lord all struggling. Uh, it's like, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this in my life? And Habakkuk simply just throws this off to the Lord. In the midst of your wrath, would you remember mercy? Would you, would you remember to be merciful to your people? And so that's what's going on. And so do you know what happens in his heart? He goes from absolute confusion to, to praising God and, and talking to God about all the problems, uh, he goes from confusion to trusting God. Uh, as I remember it back, he goes from fear to faith through prayer. That's what it was. So you might be in a situation tonight, and you're absolutely confused. The only way you're going to get clarity is through prayer. It's not going to be by, by, by finding somebody to talk to about it. The only way you'll go on get to clarity is through prayer. And that's the amazing thing. And that has always been the, the reassuring thing in my heart from God, from this book. I might be frustrated, I might be frustrated out of my mind, but God will bring me to faith. He will bring me to praise through prayer. Now think about it just a little bit more. Um, you can put it in this, this way. We move from perplexity to peace through prayer. So you're, it, it, it seems overwhelming to you, it seems like a struggle, but God will move us as we talk to him. Why is it that God calls us in the book of Psalms, Psalm 68, to pour out 
our hearts before him. Why is it? Because he knows that that is the key. That is the key. When I can come to God and pour out all my problems before him. Friends, it's not just therapeutic. It is the way, it is the way that God requires us if we will find that, that calm in our hearts. So I urge you, go to God. And, uh, and you have a wonderful illustration here in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, to help you to understand that. We move from fear to faith through prayer. We move from perplexity to praise through prayer. Uh, however you want to say it, uh, that, that is what happened with uh, Zechariah, or with uh, Habakkuk. I was looking at Zephaniah here. Okay, so you say, who are you talking about? I'm talking about all these minor prophets. There is sometimes trying to keep them all straight is as fun, uh, is very fun. All right, let's move on to Zephaniah here. He wrote, again, three chapters that are given to us. He is a head of the Babylonian exile, and so his, his once again, uh, hitting the same note, judgment and salvation. Judgment and salvation. And particularly, he's ministering to the southern kingdom, to Judah, and his focus is on the day of the Lord. Now, remember, we talked a little bit last week about what the day of the Lord is. The day of the Lord specifically is, is after the rapture, dealing in the time of the tribulation where God again begins to deal with Israel. So the day of the Lord. And so he's, he's announcing this. Remember that the Old Testament prophets did not see all these events together. They saw Jesus is coming to earth, the Messiah is coming, and the end times as, as one event. Uh, likely because they just didn't understand the, the in-between, this church age that we're in. We likened it last week to two mountain peaks. That you look at it, you might see two mountain peaks. When you're looking straight at them, you might see them blend together. But when you kind of get to the top of the next mountain, you see that there's a valley there. We're in this church age, that valley, that, 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 that space in between the two advents, the first coming, the cross, and the second coming when Jesus Christ comes to earth and at the um, Battle of Armageddon uh, and, and destroys all the armies of the world. And so there's this, this day of the Lord that is being prophesied how that God is going to destroy the false remnant of Baal, those that are worshiping Baal. He's going to destroy those, re- um, those nations that are rejecting him. But he's going to purify, and this is what he announces in this book, he's going to purify his own remnant. God is always interested in the purity of his people. He's interested in your purity tonight. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of wrong that's going out in the world tonight. There, there is there's immense wrong that's going on in the world tonight. There's deception, and, and God's going to take care of that. But the fact is, he cares about your purity. And we can, kinda, we can get misfocused now. What's going on out there, and what's going on with that person? God is interested in the purity of his people. And so he brings that out. Zephaniah 1 and verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord. God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. He, he uh, hath bid his guests. Uh, chapter 3 and verse number 17. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty to save. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. And so we have this dual message of judgment. Yes, judgment's coming. Yes, upon the false, uh, the false worshipers of Baal. Yes, upon the heathen nations. But there's purity that is needed among his people, and he's going to rescue and bring back his people to himself. Always a message of restoration in the midst of judgment. Haggai, another great book. Here is the first post-prophet. Uh, he ministered after the exile. You say, what happened to the ones in between? So who ministered in the exile? Okay. Okay. 
Daniel, Ezekiel. So what were they? What do we call those books? Well, but they were, as opposed to minor, they were the major prophets, okay? So much was going on during the midst of, and doesn't that also comfort your heart? That even in the midst of judgment, God is still speaking and nourishing his people. And there's, there's the, uh, so, so much good that goes on inside of those, those books. So we have Haggai, two chapters written after he wrote to Judah, to the southern kingdom. And here is the thing. Uh, they're coming back from the exile, and they came back, uh, they came back at the decree of, of Cyrus to rebuild, rebuild the temple. God was going to use a heathen king to accomplish his, his efforts, his purposes. And so they come back. Well, here's the thing in the book of um, Haggai, uh, really a theme of renewed hope. Uh, let's, let's get back to what God has called us to do. Uh, let's stay on target, and uh, let's re, re, uh, resume building the temple. Let's obey God like he told us to. Let's get back. And so if you can just think about this, they had come back at the direction of that, of that Cyrus that I mentioned because he, he realized that God had raised him up to cause the people to, to build this temple, to rebuild the temple back in Jerusalem. So they've gone back, and they've taken that journey. If you'll give us that map again, they've taken that journey across the desert there, and they've come back um, to Jerusalem, and that's quite a long journey. And what's amazing about that is many, many uh, Jews had come back. 50,000 Jews returned home with Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and the prophet Haggai and Zechariah. They've returned home. They're going to rebuild this. Here's the thing. They started to rebuild the temple. They laid the foundation. They're off to a great start. They're doing what God wanted them to do. The enemies come along, and if we'll go over to Ezra, you can mark this down, Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 2, the enemies of, of the people of Israel come along and say, hey, we would like to help you build this temple. When the government comes along and says, we're here to help you, you ought to, you, ought to, you, you know, it's, it's, it's about the same type of feel. So we're here to help you rebuild this temple. When the world comes along and says, hey, let's help you uh, fund your church activities, red flags ought to go up. By the way, back in COVID, when, uh, when, the, when the government came along and said, you know, we're going to help fund, uh, you know, fund churches and so forth, uh, not here, not here, uh, no way. Because what government funds come with government shackles, right? And so we didn't even think, you know what? If I needed to go, if I need to go work a job in order to, you know, whatever, whatever needed to happen. We, 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 but we're not. We don't need the money from the government to function, you know, cause Grace Baptist Church to function. Amen. Amen. And so um, here's what happens: you have these guys coming along. Let's let's help you build, and they say no. <laughs> We don't need the enemies of God helping us to build. And so it goes on. Chapter um, 4 and verse number 5. Enemies hired uh, the counselors to frustrate their purpose. So you're not going to let us help you build? So we're going to have these counselors come along, and they're just going to kind of aggravate you. And so that's what's, isn't Satan just devious? And so that's what they do. They just frustrate the people. Uh, what? Lobbyists, all right. We can put a name to them. And uh, so they're frustrating the enemies, then when that didn't really work uh, as they had hoped, verse number six, the enemies sought legal intervention to stop the build. So they're sending out, they're sending uh, uh, letters off to the king saying, listen, listen, 
uh, these people don't mean you any good, and if, if you allow this to go through, it's going to be a problem for you, and these people are going to be raised up. And so at that point, here's what God's people do. They stop. They stop. Now, God had sent them back all the way across that desert to go there and build the temple, to restore worship in Jerusalem. But you know what happens? For 15 years now, these people stop. You say, well, boy, um, it, it seems like they had reason to. Um, no, God had sent them back. You know what? We often stop ahead of the victory. You know, if you need to stand for something, even in this day, there's going to be some things that come down to us, and we have, we, we'll have to make choices to stand or get scared and, and just bow. Friends, you trust God to make a way through. We have to trust God to make the way through. And that's what the children of Israel did not do. They got scared and they stopped. They were discouraged. You know what happened? Their discouragement turned into a very long-term distraction from God's will. And there's going to be things that discourage you in this day. But we have to be very certain that we do not allow that to turn it into a distraction from God's will. Get off, off track. A derailment. And that's what happened. So on comes Haggai. Here's a preacher. And I liken Haggai to an evangelist. He is an evangelist that comes in and he is kind of fiery and he says in verse number four, it is time for you, O ye that dwell in your sealed houses and, your and this house lies waste. So you can just imagine he calls all the people together. He's standing there at this, the, the foundation that they've passed by for 15 years out of discouragement and now they're derailed from on God's purpose. And he, he stands up and says, hey, all you that live in your realized houses, you've put up the paneling, you've stuccoed the houses, you've painted them, you've done the landscaping, you've put in the in-ground swimming pool, you've put in the electric lighting, you've done all this, whatever he was saying, um, but you've done all this to your houses, you've beautified your houses, but the house of God is in absolute waste. No one's walking by and saying, wow, what a God they have, and what, what, you know, look at what they think of their God. They're walking by and they see it just in total ruins. By the way, have you ever gone by a church that's in ruins? The lawn's not cut, the, um, the shrubs aren't taken care of, it doesn't look like anyone cares. Have you ever been by a church that looks that way? What does it say about our God? This is not, this is not the, the temple of God we are, but what does it say, say about their God? What they think about their God says a whole lot. That's why it's important to mow the lawn. That's why it's important to paint the building, take care of the parking lot, do all these things. That's why it's important to make sure you know, the steeples you know, and go to order. That's why it's important to have a clean, a clean facility. That's all those things, all right? So here's what's going on. He's calling them out on their discouragement and their lack of focus. Uh, if you want to hear more about it, one of the funnest messages I've ever preached is uh, from Vision Sunday 2019 on this topic. I super enjoyed this study and, and it fully weaved the whole story from Ezra and Haggai and Zechariah all together into one, uh, one message. It's a very fun, fun time. So you can go back in, on the website and look at that. So here he, he encourages them to get uh, in verse number seven. He says, consider your ways, go up to the mountains, get wood, build the house. I will take pleasure in it. I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Verse number 14, he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of she uh, uh, Sheltiel, uh, the governor of Judah, and they, they got back at it, and, uh, and really they responded to the Lord. They listened, and they responded. And, and it's interesting, Haggai 2 and verse number 4, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, uh, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, he says, 
I mean, you talk about an evangelist and work. I mean, get at it. Get back at it. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Isn't that a great thing? I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. So God didn't say, just get out there and you know, get the job done. No, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And we need to remember that. And that's what he told us in the Great Commission, too. I'll go with you. And then in Ezra, uh, because these are parallels, Ezra 6 and verse number 15, and this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And so here the people of Israel listened, and they shifted from self, self-dependence to God-dependence, and they got this job done. We'll say a little bit more about that in the next book, um, Zechariah, and that will be our final, uh, well, we have two more books. And so what an amazing uh, message, really, to us as a church. Uh, let's be busy about the Lord's service. Let's not get discouraged. Let's stay focused on it. Zechariah, so it's 14 chapters. It's post as well. It's written after the exile. Uh, Zechariah uh, worked alongside with, with uh, Haggai and written to the southern kingdom, encouraging them to rebuild. He's a younger friend, a uh, younger prophet, a friend of Haggai, uh, focused more on the encouraging part of, of the message. So if, if Haggai was the evangelist, Zechariah was the, was the pastor. Uh, he was the shepherdly one coming along and saying, hey, we can do this. We can do this. And that's also, I bring that out in that message, and his whole theme was restoration. And the key verse of Zechariah is this, Zechariah 4 and verse number 6, when uh, God's people were wondering, how are we going to do this? How are we going to build this? Where are we going to get the, on the money? Where are we going to get the strength to do this? Where are we going to get the skill to do all this? Zechariah just simply tells them, listen, it's not by might, and it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I love that because those two messages, get up and let's get working. That's the message of Haggai. And the message of Zechariah was, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so uh, those two messages together, and again, just showing the beauty of how God works through the preaching of his word uh, and uses different, different talent, different personalities, different callings to, get, uh, to help his people to accomplish what he wants them to do. And they did. They built the temple, and there was rejoicing because of that. Malachi, again, uh, after the, after the uh, captivity, after the exile, and about 100 years after the return. So now, unfortunately, the nation has, has uh, backslidden, and uh, they've, they've gone into dead religion. They've, they've, they, they go through the, the, the form of it, but they don't really, uh, aren't really uh, right with God and in a right relationship with him. And this is written to all of Israel, not just, uh, just one of the... Uh, one of the groups, you know, the, the northern and southern. It's written to everyone. And uh, it's really a, a call of repentance. God arguing as in a court case with his people saying, hey, this is what's going on, and here's what I need you to do. And he brings up to them such uh, issues like, uh, you, you, say, you say you love me, but this is what I'm feeling from you. And uh, there's corrupt priests. There's intermarriage with the, he- uh, the heathen. There's divorce. There's spiritual blindness. Malachi 3 and verse number 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the, and the Lord whom ye, shall, uh, ye, ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And here's what, here's what happens. As God is calling his people back into repentance, he's announcing to them, I am going to send a messenger. 
I'm going to send a messenger before, um, before the, the Messiah. He's going he's to come and he's going to um, declare to you what you must do. And obviously looking forward to the ministry of John the Baptist announcing the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So God is, is reminding his people, listen, I don't change. You've changed. But you need to come back. And I'm going to make a way. I'm going to send a Messiah, but I'm going to send someone ahead of you to, to help you understand what's going on. And God reminds his people they've, they've been bent for years on wayward living. They've been bent for years on robbing from God and not doing his, his will. It's an amazing book. Uh, some people have called um, the book of Malachi an autopsy of dead religion. An autopsy of dead religion. God deals with his people that have just gone into such formalism and not, not focusing on God. So the Old Testament ends with a prophecy of John the Baptist coming and Jesus the Messiah coming. Malachi 4 and verse number 5, Behold, I will send, uh, send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come, up, uh, come and smite the earth with a curse. Without what God is going to do next, a curse would sure, uh, surely come. And uh, it's interesting to me how that these, these books, these minor prophets, end with this, this prophecy of the coming of God's messenger to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then what happens after this? Do you remember what happens after this? After Malachi, what happens? What, what's that? 400 years of silence. So God ends with a message to his people, repent, repent. And the next thing that opens up is Matthew chapter number one, where we see the, the history or the, the genealogy. And uh, just flip there for a second. Matthew chapter number one, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it be, uh, launches into Jesus Christ coming onto the scene. And uh, that's, the, that's the minor prophets. Now, as we think of it, the prophets have the same five basic ingredients, and we'll finish with this. The same five basic ingredients. Number one, a warning of judgment because of the nation's sins. Um, much of the work of the prophets, the preachers of God, was to declare, here's the sin. You need to be, uh, be real about this. You cannot, you cannot remove the preaching, about, uh, preaching and teaching about sin from biblical preaching. It, it, it ceases to be biblical preaching. We have to deal with our sin. God needs us to deal with our sin. There's always hope. There's always a message back, but it has to deal with it. So that was number one, the description of the sin. God gets specific sometimes. Uh, I hear people talk about, you know, preaching shouldn't be specific. Let, uh, let the Holy Spirit do that. No. Uh, God's, God's word gets specific about sin. Uh, in Malachi, he got specific. You're intermarrying. That's wrong. You're divorcing. That's wrong. You're robbing God of his tithes and offerings. That's wrong. He got specific. And then the description of the coming judgment. Here's what's going to happen. If you don't repent, there's what's going to happen. And God gives that to us. An invitation to repentance, number four. An invitation to repentance. And then a promise of future deliverance. And so all these things God is doing through his prophets, these are the key elements that all the way through these prophets... God is, God is giving to his people. And I, I don't know about you, it warms my heart to realize that's the kind of God that we serve. Here's a sin, but here's how you make it right. And here's what's going to happen in the future. There's, there's deliverance in the future. 
And that's the goodness of our God. And people will say, you know, the Old Testament's just so full of hate. And that, I like the God of the New Testament, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. It's the same God. I change not. And he's still calling men to repentance. In fact, if you look in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 15, he is preaching a, a gospel of repentance. Come back to me. And so now it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can say much, much more. But uh, as they go into these 400 years of silence, um, God would break that silence with the, with the opening of the New Testament, with the preaching of John, a very interesting individual, uh, but nonetheless preparing the way uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest, the greatest message of all time. So I hope that's helpful to you. If you have questions about it, certainly love to talk to you right afterwards, but let's just commit these things to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for being a merciful God that always is going after your people. Now, Lord, help us in any areas of backsliding, help us to return to you and not be like your people who are stiff-necked and so oftentimes did not listen to you. Help us to draw nigh to you so that we can experience what you promised us, that you would draw nigh to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.